Okay, I have a request. Fly in a different intro where we talk about who Jukebox the Ghost is a little bit, and you say who you are, I say who I am, and Jesse says who he is. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Famish. This is the first episode. This is the introductory episode where we sort of explain what this is and what it means to be Famish. Hint, it means you're not really famous, but you're also kind of famous. You are fame-ish. Uh, we are Jukebox the Ghost. We're a piano rock trio that have been making records and touring for about 15 years. And by our calculations, we are very, very Famish. Uh, you might have heard of us. You might not have heard of us us uh but either way somehow you're listening now and we are thankful for that uh introductions my name is ben thornwell i play piano and i sing and i'm going to pass it off to my name is tommy and uh, i play guitar and i also sing and my name is jesse Kristen. i play drums and i sing just a little bit and just like that welcome to famous you can be famous too welcome to a podcast a new podcast <laughs> that everyone's excited about because podcasts are cool. Uh, we're Jukebox the Ghost, and this is a uh, podcast about being only kind of famous, and it's called Famish, because you might know who we are, but odds are not in our favor. And yet, somehow, here we are making music and people come to shows. So we've talked about this a bunch. The core of it, we think, is going to be an interview podcast because... Um, we think there are a lot of people who fit into this strange category where people think they've made it, but that the reality of the creative world is that you're always, you know, you you, you might poke your head above ground in one of these, like, um, larger cultural moments, but in reality, it's always you're just hitting the ball time after time after time, striking out, and every once in a while, you might get a home run. Um, it's a weird, It's a weird living. Or, alternatively, you... Never think you've made it, but somehow you've spent 10, 15 years making a living doing it and playing shows, and you accidentally snuck your way into having a full career in music. And while this sticking with our baseball analogy, you're you're just bunting a lot, That's and you keep getting to base, and it's pretty <laughs> cool. You're like really good at bunting, but but ESPN does not give a lot of wavelength to bunting. Um, we're now going to bring in drummer and baseball fan Jesse Kristen for his input on everything. What <laughs> inning is it anyway? For us, like deep in the ninth. <laughs> <laughs> I leave after the... Uh, they stopped serving booze after, what, inning seven? So I left. Um, I'm Jesse. I play drums in this band, Jukebox the Ghost, and I like what you guys said, you know? Uh, that certainly is the premise of this pod, and uh, I think we're really excited to hit the ground running, base running. All right, we should absolutely move away from sports. Uh, just <laughs> one more paraphrasing of this. It's it's about like what it's like to be like a working class musician, to be in this industry and uh, have successes and, and, and carve a little path for yourself, even if, uh, everybody doesn't know your name and some people know your name. And we're going to be interviewing friends and songwriters and producers and people we've toured with or worked with and people we haven't toured with and haven't worked with, but whose, uh, you know, work in songwriting or producing or engineering, we, we admire. And it's just going to be a whole big old mess of talking to people about music in the music industry. 
Well, and, and part of this is, you know, just uh, for shits and giggles. And part of this is also because we also felt like it would be interesting for anyone else who's in the creative arts or just starting out um, to kind of get a sense of what's out there. Because I feel like you don't get to see, you get to, you don't get to like hear about what's under the hood that much for that sort of middle ground where you're not actually a celebrity, but you are working in the creative arts. But there's a lot of avenues to do it. Um, and it's not, it's different than what you think it is coming in, yeah. right? Well, I feel like Hollywood is like it's always a star is born, and and you're, uh, yeah, you're not going for that ending. No spoilers, but it's a dark ending. But it's like you know, I think when it gets Hollywoodized, it's always you have this huge winning moment and you persevere, and it's like the you know the the archetypical hero's journey of you strive, you overcome, you write the song, and then you're huge forever and and onward and upward and. For most of us and most of the people that that we know who are in it, it's just like you've got the little wins, you've got the the moments, but there's it's not like you you didn't necessarily write that hit song or didn't necessarily like have this massive fan base, but you've found a way to make a living doing music, which is super rare, you know. Or you know, you may not make a living through music yet still be sort of still be popular. Or um, yeah. still, yeah. by some metric, you yeah. might have a level of notoriety. And, you know, the financial part isn't there. Right. You know, so it can be subjective. You know, it just varies what success means and what what fame feels like for people or what lack of fame feels like. Yeah. Would this be a good time to play the theme song? Yeah. Without further ado, for the very first time, Unless you're listening to this podcast again, here's the theme song for Famish. Pretty soon I'm gonna be Famish, a little more Famish than you. Certain people will greet my name with a proud and mighty And one glorious day my songs will be played at an airport chili's too. Why, yes, I'm gonna be famous. And you can be famous too. <laughs> A really stunning work on that. Every time. <laughs> you can be famous too. We're Jukebox the Ghost and we're fame-ish. Some people know us. We get recognized in the street sometimes. Guys, I was going to ask, what's the first time you got recognized out in the world? Do you know it? Because of the band, not because of, you know, other weird stuff that you do. Usually I can only remember the last time, but not the first. You don't have the first? Tommy, do you remember? Mm, yeah, I don't I don't have the first. I'm the only one. Wow, I really thought that was, I'm going to answer my own question. Yeah, but cool. please, Ben, what's the first time you were recognized? It's not even that. I just, I, I just thought that that would be a thing, that in a movie theater in Baltimore... Early, early, early days, uh, like the, one of the first radio stations in the country, WTMD, was playing us a whole bunch. Um, and uh, I don't know, I was at a movie theater in Baltimore and someone knew who I was and that was insane to me. That had never happened. Did you tell them to please shut up because they're interrupting the film? Ever, no, uh, yes, everyone went shh. It was great. It was great. Jasper <laughs> autograph and we all shushed, shushed them again. I got recognized at a trivia night in Brooklyn uh, a couple months ago, and uh, 
there was a lot of relatively new friends there, so they were all like. Was you the know, question like name the drummer of Jukebox the Ghost, and one person at your table is like, it's this guy. <laughs> No, like someone came up to the, we were all in a booth and someone came up and was like, excuse me, or, you know, are you Jesse and Jukebox or whatever? I don't remember, to be honest, but I got recognized and, uh, you know, I asked how she did, how her team did, because our team, like, we thought we were killing it and we came in fifth place. And I was like, so how'd you do? She was like, we actually won. <laughs> I was like, get the fuck out of here. Did she share, did she share her prize with you? The grand prize? Like her large teddy bear or the $10 bar tab? <laughs> she should have. Yeah, she should have. I'm remembering I did have a funny one recently uh, in L.A. because I was, I was in Griffith Park hiking with a friend of a friend. And I, it had come up that I was in a band, but nobody was interested. Um, and, uh, and then we were on the hike and somebody was like, hey, are you Tommy from Jukebox the Ghost? And I was like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, that the, the group that I was with, with, they had all sorts of questions. They're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so then they, then they were very interested in Jukebox the Ghost. God bless them. Okay, so I have the reverse of that. That reminds me, Tommy. I was at Harriman. I think I was on, I was on Bear Mountain uh, with Haley. This and... is a park outside of New York City, by the way. Yep. And I was on a hike. And we, like, there was a group, it was kind of crowded day, must have been last fall. And uh, there was like a group of weirdos in front of us. And I said, I, I remember saying like, see, even like weirdos can hike. I wish I knew this 15 years ago or something. And then I look closer and one of the weirdos has a jukebox, the ghost tote bag, has the jukebox, the tote. And I said, of course, of course he does. So we're like trailing along. And then I, I spot that group again at the top. And I did the reverse. I went up. <laughs> I went up and I said, "Nice tote bag," and they were like kind of confused. <laughs> and I said, that was great. "I said that's I said oh that's my that's my band like <laughs> I'm the drummer oh. Jesse the drummer, and they they had actually just been to Halloween. They'd been to like concerts of ours recently. They were excited, but." Yeah, yeah. Then they were sort of like, we we actually have to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, come yeah, on. <laughs> Tom, do you remember, uh, let's, I think it was like a year and a half, maybe it was, it was the tour that we did uh, before COVID hit, and we were in Cincinnati, and you and I went to the Planet Fitness to work out, you know, the two skinniest guys in the room. Oh, uh, yeah. And yeah. while we're working out, the our, our music video comes on all the TVs, and we're like, yo, this is awesome. And we go to the front desk and, and tell the, the guy at the counter, like, yo, that's our music video. And he couldn't have given two shits less. <laughs> like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> As if everyone that yeah. walks in there, their music videos play. I'm like, you can see our faces. It's the same one. Didn't care. Yeah, I think he would have had the same same reaction to like Billie Eilish, though. To be honest with you, yeah, no, he was he was barely there. Uh, <laughs> but this is the funny thing about, and, and I think again, like the point of this podcast is is and and the premise of being famous is like some people know who you are when you're famous, but and and they think you're like when they when they think you're huge. They think you're like the biggest act in the world, and there's no with, with ultimate fandom. There's almost no differentiation between like you and someone who's actually famous. And you, I don't know. I always feel like I want to be like you know. I'm just like this dude who isn't actually that famous, and you are one of I don't know several hundred people that know me in this area, maybe out of millions. I I, I wonder if this is going to be more and more of a phenomena as 
internet culture becomes the the monoculture, right? Like the whole culture. Because you get siloed into these little internet holes where you think something is really popular and successful, but it might just be in your target demographic of exactly who you are. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I could see that being like more and more and more the thing where like you're just really famous for like a thousand people, you know? But even that, what's the, there's some like metric of like, if you have 3,000 genuine true fans, you can make a living. Did you, have you heard that statistic? Do you know this? No, no. There's like a whole, I, I don't know, it was like 10 years ago and and uh, this started popping up that you have, you, you have like fans that are casual fans, but if you have, if you reach a certain threshold of like people that really support you, will buy merch, will go to concerts, et cetera, et cetera, that number, the number for sustaining a career is in the, I think it's in the thousands, if, if, if that. It's not like an wow. insane, insane, insane number. Because if you have a thousand people that are willing to give you, I don't know, 30, 40 bucks a year, you're done to an extent. Like that's a, that's a, fund, that's a foundational living. What are your pre-existing conditions? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Jesse. What are they? <laughs> What's your overhead? What are your, what are your pre-existing conditions? <laughs> I got a lot of emotional baggage, you know. It requires uh, um, buying sweat wool sweaters on eBay once a month. I have to ask Tommy: Do you have any idea what he's talking about? I don't. I'm. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah, but no, no, I, I no. Love like, I, I feel like I love. I love him, so I'm trying. No, I feel like your pre your your pre existing condition. Yeah. Your pre existing condition. No, I have no doubt you're joking. Your pre existing condition is random non sequiturs. <laughs> and then doubling down. Yeah, that's what I do. Have you seen those sheep? <laughs> I got five. <laughs> I'm saying... Go on. What if you've got five kids and a thousand fans? What is it? Oh, oh, I see, I see. If you have five kids and you're like 22 and trying to get going, I think you should pick a more conventional path. Would you have like a good health insurance policy? Yeah, yeah. I know. I see. I see what you're saying, Jesse. You've turned the, um, you've turned a healthcare plan into a basic minimum income required to be in the creative arts. I was trying to make it funny, and I think I made it not funny. No, no. It's it's I complex. We, I, no, we've we've circled back. We've come back to funny. <laughs> we always come back. There was a moment there where I I this, I thought I was alone, Tommy. I'm so glad that you were you were on on board with me. Tommy is my interpreter sometimes, you know. <laughs> well, so I was waiting. I was waiting to catch up. I was like, I must have missed something. <laughs> I think. What if we introduced a section called? We should have a section called "What did Jesse mean?" <laughs> and Jesse, I think you should just say something, and then we, Tommy and I, won't address it, and then we'll accept submissions and comments, and and then we will go through them on the next episode and see if anybody got it right. <laughs> That's great. This is going to be this podcast is going to be huge. <laughs> it's going to be a huge podcast. It's niche. It's niche. Okay, so <laughs> we're getting back on track. Uh, getting back to the idea of the podcast here, though, I will say, like, uh, and you guys can th maybe think about this while I'm sort of maybe sounding this out. If you have your own example, but if you guys have an example of the sort of core of what it means to be famous, I'll, I'll give mine, which is just that. Um, you know, when we were, I, I mean, how old were we when we played Letterman? Like 20, 23, 23, 22, 23, 23, 23, maybe. And, you know, we got, so it was our second record 
Um, we were all living together in a house in Philadelphia. Or no, we weren't at that point. I guess I, Jesse and I had just moved to New York. You had just moved to New York, yep. Yep. Um, and we got Letterman super last minute, like, and by that I mean like the night before because someone had clearly dropped off the bill. Um, and so all of a sudden we went from, you know, just still playing our friends' house parties to then still playing our friends' house parties for the next <laughs> couple of years, but people knew that we had been on Letterman. And so it was this weird thing where, like, my my grandma, for example, like, went from not being curious about the band at all to being at, like, the first thing she brings up at the hair salon, you know, when she goes, was like, did you know that my grandson was on the David Letterman show? And so it, it, that weird dichotomy, especially of that time of we had achieved these career benchmarks, major career benchmarks, but also still eating a lot of canned beans, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's what I that's what I think of, you know. That's a, it's such a good example. That it, that did like nothing really changed except the perception of us as having something actual happening. Well, and I think everyone that we're interviewing is going to have one of those moments just cuz yeah. we know a lot of these people and like I know they have those that similar kind of that yeah. similar kind of moment. This is a non-answer, but uh, and I'll probably use this example again, but I, I was got to go to Africa on my honeymoon, and one of the like the managers of the what you call the lodges that we were staying at was asking like what we do for a living, and my wife gave her answer, and I said, you know, I'm a musician. I like travel and I play shows and and write music. And he goes, and so what do you do for work? <laughs> and I was like, no, that's it. And and it's so funny because I think. Most people want to ask that question. When you say, you know, you're a musician, and anyone who's listening who is a working musician, if you say that, most people are like, okay, but what, but really, like, what do you do? Because yeah, it's, well, it's well, a ridiculous thing. Well, where are you, where are you thing. a bartender? Yeah. Yeah. Where are you a bartender? Where are you, and like, a lot of people are and do, and, and it, it, you know, some years are easier or harder than others, but like, I don't know. I just thought that was a great example of, of people not understanding that there is that middle ground of, uh, either being, you know, Bieber or, or, you know, just some, uh, you know, just still working in your garage and trying to find an outlet for your music. Um, Jesse, you got anything? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell the one, Tommy, you reminded me, me of this recently. This was like, uh, maybe five years ago, we were between records and money was a little bit tight because it wasn't COVID, but it was just like, it was that lull between record cycles. And yeah, it was a coder. It was our own. It was our own fault. It was our own fault. Yes, it was. Yeah, <laughs> I think we had to just like wait, whatever. We were like doing stuff on the side, and I, I liked uh, I liked working in coffee shops, and I would pick up shifts to supplement my income. Uh, and I just remember, like you know, working in a coffee shop gig. You're waking up. I mean, yes, I like it, but it can be humbling work. I mean, you know, in the winter, you're walking. The sun isn't even up yet. I'm like walking under the BQE. Uh, freezing cold weather, walking past a venue where there's a, where I see a big poster of us. And I think it was sold out. It was Knitting Factory Brooklyn, which was an underplay. But still, it was like a big, nice poster. I think it was a sold out. I think it sold out in advance. But yeah, it, just, it was. I just had this funny moment of like, you know, walking in the cold to my coffee shop, to my humble little coffee shop gig, and walking and seeing myself on, you know, on the marquee or whatever. And just going, wow, what a funny, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, yeah, I still like, you know, still do stuff. We still all kind of hustle on the side, you know, try things out, 
make podcasts, who knows, you know, to supplement because we're not Bieber. We're juice box the toast. Well, and, and something I'm really excited to dig into with a, a number of the guests that we are having is um, tour horror stories because um, I, I don't know w- what my perception of touring was before I did it, but, you know, it's so unglamorous. And uh, I mean, I think it can be glamorous for some people, I guess, if you if you get into like the only only a fancy bus and and plane travel or something. <laughs> but say, even that's not get, glamorous. I'd be like, if you get into like OnlyFans or something, it can be really glamorous. I don't know why I thought yeah. you were gonna. Yeah. Well, that that's glamorous in its own way as well. If you, yeah, and you it's know, good for touring. It's well, you don't have to tour at all, which is the the convenience of it. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to hear about that because I feel like that'll jog our memories too of like what. Uh, what we've been through in our um, embarrassing number of years as a band. And I feel like, you know, we we get um, sort of applauded nowadays for having put in the work and built our fan base. This is something that, I don't know, the industry likes to say to us. Like, you really did it smart. You toured for, you know, 10, 12, 15 years and built up that loyal fan base. And, and I you know, I, I go back and think about those early tours where, we are literally begging from stage from someone to put us up and we're sleeping on floors. And, um, you know, there was a, a period which, you know, we would feel really good if there were more people in the audience than there were on stage. And that was like not unusual to have a show for 20 people and be like, yeah, that was awesome. And just remember, uh, you know, that's where we came from. So like when that time is happening and, you know, you get recognized in movie theater, I'm like, Wow. You're one of the 30 people that know me nationally. This is cool. I mean, how many how long of how long do you think were we playing shows where we were asking for a place to stay from the stage? I think we did that for like 2 years. I did, right? It was like a couple I think we got out of there for years. 2 years. It was many minivan days, right? Yeah, minivan days. I think when we got the Ben Folds tour that that flipped it over. Because when we when we had our friend Shervin Shervin Linez, great photographer, terrible tour manager, uh, feel free to reach out to him and tell him that <laughs> uh, was like we agreed to come tour manage us because our our booking agent was like you you got this tour you're opening for Ben Folds you have to bring somebody to help so we picked someone with no tour managing experience and and very little authority to um, come help us out. Anyway, and but his only thing was like, I need, I'm not sleeping on floors. I need a hotel room. I'm in a bed. So I think that must be how it started. That makes but, sense. And that's 2009. Yeah. So if we started really touring 2007, I think we did two years of that. I, um, I thought of like two objects that to me define sort of uh, our transition into being somewhat successful. And this is, this is, I'll preface this by saying like, I'm being ridiculous here. But I truly... This could be a good example for our new segment. <laughs> what segment? What did Jesse mean? What did Jesse mean? <laughs> okay. So I'm excited to bring these up with our friends that uh, have had similar touring experience. But the graduation from duct tape to gaff tape. <laughs> monumental. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Oh, and we're going to have to explain what gaff tape is. But musicians know. And duct tape to some people. Famous musicians know what gaff tape is. And what's your second example? <laughs> Are those the two objects? No, that's the one. Is yep. it? Okay. 
I like how I like how this anecdote is even un- unrelatable to me, and I'm I'm in the I'm in the same band. You know, you didn't use that. Well, I guess it's like drums. No, I never setting. use. I never. It's very drum. What about it's what about drum. the merch? What about the merch area? My other favorite part of this is I think Jesse. <laughs> every three to six months from the last fifteen years, you've talked to me about how excited you are that we use gaff tape instead of duct tape. Because gaff tape is so expensive, <laughs> and I buy. <laughs> Gap tape costs 20 bucks a roll, and I buy that shit. I buy it before every tour. I get whatever yeah. color I want. Yeah. Because it, it, damn that, it. that comes out of your third, buddy. That comes out of your third. Okay, but duct tape is, leaves a residue. It's trying to write like a label on duct tape. It sucks. Jesse, can you imagine, imagine time traveling back to your high school self and telling yourself <laughs> one day you're going to be in a band that will buy you as much gaff tape as you want, any color. <laughs> Up to two rolls per tour, just the, and just, we're gonna talk about it first. I didn't know what gaff tape was, and in, in, I'm actually like, I'm being serious. I didn't know what gaff tape was in high school. My drums, I, I, I still don't. <laughs> no one, no one knows what gaff tape is in high school. Well, like, and drummers use duct tape, like you know, instead of moon gels to dampen their drums. Anyway, we can unpack this later. <laughs> the second object <laughs> this week, and Jesse, things Jesse says, drummers use. Duct tape instead of moon gel. Uh, I mean, the thing is, every drummer will know what Jesse's talking about. I it's know. just It's just funny if you're not a drummer. Uh, well, the tape, okay, the other thing is even more drummer specific, but I think you guys will appreciate it more. I'm truly. so ready. Okay, yeah. And maybe maybe you have to go back to your high school bands, but think about... Which I didn't have. What about Eerie Glow, dude? You had they, a band called Eerie me, Glow, right? They let me play one song on the Barry Sax on a synth... <laughs> <laughs> but they wouldn't let me play live. It was yeah, not. Yeah, but I'm a sure great... you shredded it, dude. It was a great Barry Sack solo. <laughs> okay, I think every rock and roll band, uh, or maybe some other genres, they have a drummer at some point or in their early days who doesn't have an adequate drum hardware bag, <laughs> and that is the worst thing to load into venues. It is awful. Anyway, I'll wrap yeah. this up, but. Um, I do think about like just that. Wait, gears. hold on. What? Yeah. Your definition of success is having a bag to carry your drums in. Having a case, my friend. Not a bag. A hard case. I'm, I'm being dead serious when I say think about how many years we toured with a cloth with like a horrible. <laughs> That's fair. We used to carry one stand at a time, or like a a bundle of. Uh, Symbol stands into clubs, you know, yeah. in college. And yeah. Do you, well, in all fair, okay, so you remember the synth? I, when we were playing in college, I was completely against using a synth of any kind. I was like, I am a classical pianist. I have standards. I will not do this. I want to be a piano band. And then somehow I ended up with one of the super old. Alesis QS 6.1. Wow, that's still in my brain. I'll, I'll never forget that. From the music department that we used like for our first, I don't know, three years of touring. And it's it, on our first two albums, dude. It's on the, <laughs> it's on the first two albums? Yeah. It is, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. It, on BDI's. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the it, synth, the synth on, uh, uh, there's some synth on schizophrenia that we couldn't. You're right. Yeah. You're right. We couldn't beat. That we toured without a case on that for years, no case, <laughs> and it was held together. The sides would come off, um, and threaten to rip all the electronics out. And so we duct taped it. It was covered in duct tape. 
and we never got a case. I don't know why we never got a case. But yeah, I guess now that I'm thinking about what it feels like to be famous, I can get cases for my synthesizers now. For your stolen synthesizers. Let's Yeah, yeah, didn't even pay for that. Yeah, I should have bought a case. We didn't have any money. We had yeah. no money. Plus, seems weird to buy a case for something you stole, you know? It's like... Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. yeah, then I really, like, have it. And it's, it was, like, it's, like, was, it's, like a, it's like doing a carjacking and then getting car insurance for it. <laughs> oh, you, you wanted this back? I mean, there's that, there's that middle step, too. <laughs> there's that step where you're like, I'm still broke, but I blew my money on gap tape and right. a case. It's like, I'd rather pay rent. <laughs> Ah, wow. These are these are really good. Do you well, since since we're, since we're going to have people sharing some unglamorous tour stories to do, do, do either of you have a a particularly unglamorous tour story you'd like to share? We don't oh, have to. I just to. don't I mean, here's the thing. Uh yeah, but I don't know what I'm ready to talk. It's like so early in this podcast. Yeah, we can hold off. We can like, hold off. I don't know if I'm ready to to just disturb everybody's sense of of decency that quickly yeah, we, we, and we should prepare for that that should be like a, a bonus episode where we really yeah. dig deep we'll do a whole episode of just because we're going to ask our guests what their worst tour experience was and i think that we will sometimes give answers but we should dedicate a whole bit of time just for that um the uh, the, the only other element i i did want to touch on with the 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 sort of famous touring thing is i think an under discussed element of touring in general is how little time you are playing music. Because I th- I really grew up with the idea that, I don't know, I just thought you were like, I mean, when, it, when you're in a bus, this is true, but I thought you just appeared at the venue in the morning, you set up, and then you jammed for hours on stage <laughs> and wrote songs together on stage. Like, sound check just seemed like this incredible, yeah. luxurious thing. And then you played a show. So in the, in the end, I figured you were probably playing like five, six hours of music a day. Something like that. In reality, you don't really play any notes outside of the show and your 30 seconds of sound check. <laughs> and even when you're sound checking, like if if you play music when someone else is trying to sound check, you get in trouble. So like we can't <laughs> yeah. even when we're on stage together, we're not even allowed to play music with each other. <laughs> Except to be yeah. like, okay, let's do the song that we do every night to make sure our sound is good, and then that's it. Well, the thing I say about tour is that you're, you're basic. You are a trucker in skinny jeans for for like eighty percent of the day. Yeah, like you're going to the same places that they go. You're going to you're going to truck stops and eating at all the truck stop food places. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you you appear in this place with these other people who were wearing skinny jeans. I guess that's not a thing anymore. Skinny jeans, right? It's over. I think they're just they're just called jeans. Yeah, but they're not as skinny anymore. Gotten- I think that yeah, I think they're, they're moving back out. Yeah, they're moving back they're out. Moving back out. They're not moving full Jenko, but somewhere in between. Do you think we're going to go full Jenko? I hope. I don't think. Not. I don't think we are. But yesterday it seems like a waste of fabric. Sorry, Jesse. Go well, ahead. Haley and I drove past someone yesterday, and literally, like, like the it's like they took some a uh, uh, like an indie guy from 2002 and just put him right there on the streets of Williamsburg or something. And, like, there's just something about the shaggy hair. It's kind of almost like us in college, I guess, but it was just so vivid, you know? I was, like, 2002, baby. Do you think that's going to be us? Do you think as we, like, continue to age up but stay in the music industry, we're going to, like, perpetually look like an indie band from the early, like, 2010s? I think we're too safe in our fashion choices, actually. Yeah. 
Well, at least, well, Jesse, you've gone through a lot of spicy phases, and a couple <laughs> times I've a couple times I've joined you, but um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I I feel like Ben and I and our t- our our clothing taste is is too safe to be really pinpointed. I really like a pair of like a normal pair of jeans and a t-shirt. Yep. Well, you know, I've landed I've landed kind of in that territory these days, you know. Do you think that we would be more famous cuz we're famous and we're we're dressing the part. Uh, <laughs> and so for anyone listening if you're looking for ways to make it in the music industry, <laughs> just dress like a like a like a cool dad. That's how you do it. I thought you were going to ask for uh, fashion advice because we do. Oh, I would definitely take fashion advice. If anyone wants to dress oh, me, yeah. like physically physically come to my home <laughs> and put on my clothes for me, that can be arranged. Whoa. Okay, I was going to drop the email address for the, the official email, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, drop my home address, my home email address. No, drop the, drop, yeah, let's talk about, drop our, uh, drop the, the address for the, um, if you have fashion advice for Ben, but also um, we are going to do um, definitely some episodes with Q&A and maybe try and sprinkle it in in the future, um, email any fashion advice, any questions you might have for Jukebox the Ghost to famishpod at gmail.com, which is F-A-M-E-I-S-H-P-O-D at gmail.com. Also, any ideas for guests that you think would be a good fit that we might not know? Like... Um Halle Berry or somebody. <laughs> you guys should have the killers on. Should have Halle Berry. <laughs> She's so famous. Um, well, it, I was. Uh, I actually, we've talked about this, but we have sort of kneecapped this podcast um, from the start by having it be famish because it means that no one who's actually famous will want to do <laughs> this podcast. So they're like, I'm not famous. I'm famous. How dare you? Yeah, there's a point at which it'll be insulting. Yeah. Who do you like? But like, okay, what's it? But who? I have a name that comes to mind. Granted, like, I know, I know this is totally random. But when we met, so remember when we met a group of awesome people who were friends who grew up with Aubrey Plaza, and mm-hmm. Aubrey Plaza at the time I think was on Parks and Rec. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and like, so if you watch the show, you're like, oh, I love her. She's great. But. Not a household name. Like, I think I hadn't seen that show because I'm like, I'm still watching 30 Rock. Something's wrong with me. But, you know, now, obviously she's famous, right? But I guess my question is, is she also famous? We we could have had her on the pod if this pod existed five years ago. And I think she's famous now. She's famous. She crossed. She's incredibly, what are you guys talking about? She's incredibly famous. We could have had her on this podcast 15 years ago. <laughs> a quick note to our audience. This episode was recorded before season two of The White Lotus. No, when she was on Parks, I don't, she was on the edge. I can know she's always been famous. Right. You're right. But is there room, but so maybe, so she's famous, right? We're going to get her on the pod. <laughs> she's we're going to get her on, on the, the pod, pod and we're going to be like, yeah. you are not as famous as these people. If she and hears then, this segment, uh, she's never going to go on this pod. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send her right to her. All right, so we have to aim lower. I think in my last text with her, I might have I, I might have sent her. Uh, I drove by a parking plaza called like Osbury Plaza, <laughs> and I sent her a, 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 a picture of that as I was pulling in. I don't think she ever responded. <laughs> yeah, she's not doing this yeah, podcast. Yeah. No, she's a, a great pal of times times gone by. 
So, Aubrey, if you're listening to our very first podcast, thanks for being on the mailing list, and we look forward to seeing you soon. <laughs> um, guys, do, do you have any other um, any other thoughts or anything we should add here? I mean, what, what have we covered? We're, we're doing this famous podcast. We're going to have guests talking about um, that weird intersection in the entertainment business where you are not famous, you are somehow making a living, and what that world is like. Um, and we have an email if you want to send us any questions. Um, we're honestly just getting the we're getting the, the gears moving and the wheels mm-hmm. rolling. So, yep. Um, if you have any comments or suggestions of 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 stuff we should be doing on this podcast, you think would be interesting. Shoot us an email, and also stay tuned because we have we have we have segments coming up. We have funny little songs that we've written for this, and uh, we're going to turn this whole thing into a series of absurd inside jokes. It's true, Tom. I think I cut you off, but you were going to no, no, no. Say the I was going to address again. Yeah, I was going to drop the email again, which is redundant. It, we'll put it in the. You know how they. You know, this is our first. This is our first podcast, you guys. Yeah. I was just thinking, like they have that. There's a text thing, like when you upload it, like you can you can put the email in your in the description of the episode. That's what we'll do. Honestly, and if they haven't emailed us yet, they're never going to. Like, <laughs> what what are they even doing? This is audio. You can listen and type at the same time. I can't. I have trouble if I hear words and trying to type words. But I've heard other people are really good at that. So if that's you. Please send us an email at famishpod at gmail.com, F A M E I S H P O D at gmail.com. And we or or one of the thousands of people that work for us will read it. All right, guys. Goodbye. <laughs> Is that it? Are we done? Pretty soon I'm gonna be famous, a little more famous than you. Certain people will greet my name with a proud and mighty boo. And one glorious day, my songs will be played at an airport chili's too. Why, yes, I'm gonna be famous, and you can be famous too.